friends, welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am Angel Yard. And I'm Charisma O'Keefe, and we are here every Thursday talking to you about business, balance, entrepreneurship, working hard, playing hard, all the different things. All of the things. It is, uh, we are here every Thursday. Uh, so we try to be, you know, who knows? Mercury retrograde, I'm surprised we got all of our episodes out. I know we had a lot of tech issues behind the scenes on pretty much almost every episode (laughs) it is it's really true but like I feel like most of them were not anything that we could have literally done anything about it was like large businesses and their you know program softwares whatever like not performing correctly because of mercury retrograde so that's what it is but yes we are here every Thursday we've been around for five years we talk about business balance life all of the in between all of the outward information uh, 21 so we've been doing a little bit more targeting on making sure that we cover the the some of the i'm not saying advanced but more advanced or yeah like advanced basics yeah you know areas of business and not really a lot of the basics and we're talking to people in a lot of different industries that we've never gotten to talk to and so if you are new here, there that is what to expect. This is an episode with just two of us, but we will have some guests in the upcoming month of July, which will be fun. There are some fun people. And as always, you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts if you feel like this is a gem, if you learn some things. This is going to be a really info-heavy episode, so if you're not ready, I would get a notebook to take notes. I'm like, I'm giving the episode and I'll probably be taking notes from some of the things you say. So I'm like, I've I've already said, like, I will be listening back to this because I will need to A, take my own advice and B, take your advice. So, (laughs) but I I love episodes like this because these are the ones that I reference to people because people, you know, will often come up and say, oh, I'm starting a new business. You know, what do I need to know? And I think that like it, obviously I love interviewing people. I think there's something to learn from everyone, but these are the, those episodes that I always end up telling people go to this one because sometimes it's, you know, it's not always the fun, glamorous, like cool stuff that we're talking to people about in interviews. Sometimes it's just like, these are money things or these are organizational things. And you, you have to have those. You have to have those when you're running a business, especially one that you want to do well for a long time. You have to have those systems in place. Yeah, so definitely. And then you have news that you want to share. Yeah, so we have really big, great news, and that is that we our nonprofit, Love Doesn't Hurt, is finally like a full-on fledged nonprofit. We've officially received our 5013C status. And basically what that means is like we've been a nonprofit the entire time, we've been legally operating. Um, but there's just some specifics with what you can and can't do until you get that status. And it takes a very long time to get. So some of the things we couldn't do, um, we couldn't accept monthly donations. So a lot of times people will sign up and say, you know what, I'm going to give $20 a month to, you know, move on.org or whatever it is. Um, and so you can sign up and, you know, give that $20 really without thinking, you just make it as a reoccurring payment. Well, that's not something that we were allowed legally to do. We would have to just have somebody, you know, decide to give every month and come in and give. And, you know, unfortunately that it's like, yes, some people will still do that, but you're 
you have a much better chance of getting that monthly donation if someone just signs up for it and it's kind of like a set it and forget it thing. Um, so that's something awesome that we can do now. We can also partner with businesses. So we have been partnering with businesses. We've partnered with my own business, Kismet and Charisma. Uh, we've partnered with a few other businesses, but that has been on the basis that basically that person or that business just gives a donation that um, it's like they can't fully write it off in the same way that they can now that we have this status. So there's been a lot of businesses that are like, yeah, I can't wait to work with you once you get that status because they basically just get a lot more like tax write-offs and that sort of thing. So this is great because we're going to be able to partner with businesses in a much bigger way. Um, I actually, I have a friend who is very high up in the Warby Parker company and literally saw that immediately texted me and was like, yes, I'm so glad you have the status now. Let's talk. Like we can put some things on the table. And so I'm just like, I'm super excited about just the caliber of businesses that we're going to be able to work with now. And then the really big thing is that we can get proper funding. Um, so there's a lot of like grants and stuff that are out there for nonprofits. And until you get this status, you really can't, you know, accept these grants that are worth like five, 10, 20 plus thousand dollars. Um, so now that we have the status, we're able to, you know, reach out, write these, write grant proposals and hopefully get some funding that will be like an actual good amount of funding because a lot of the stuff that we've done so far, like we have not really been funded for, right? We've been working with a teeny, teeny, tiny uh, amount of money. And I don't think that overnight we're going to be, you know, like, oh my gosh, we have more money than we know what to do with. I don't think we'll ever be in that situation because we're a nonprofit. So that's normally not how it works. But um, I think it's going to be great to be able to get some proper funding, maybe get an actual salary for Anna and I. That would be amazing because this is what we spend a lot of our days doing. Um, so, yeah, so it's really, really exciting. And, you know, our board is so awesome. So, like, thank you to you and thank you to the rest of the board, because honestly, like we would not be able to do the things we're doing without having such an active board. Um, and I do hope to like we'll definitely have Anna on again and we'll kind of talk about like the role that our board plays and just kind of how things have been now updated because when we were on before it was like the very beginning. Um, and I think we've both learned so much and learned how important it is to like build community. If you are going to start a nonprofit, like in, in the best case scenario, you'll have been building community for years and years, which we had uh, not knowing that we were going to start this nonprofit, but that's a lot of people have asked like, Oh, how has it been? Have you been able to do it? And 100% it's been because we built like literally really solid friendships um, and a great community over the years. So when we went to go execute this idea, we've had a lot of support. If it was not for that, we would 100% not be able to do it, especially while I've, you know, been maintaining my business on top of that. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it and I'm just excited about like what it means for fall and winter going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. And I don't think a lot of people, it usually takes so long. So we, you guys were expecting yeah. fall, you know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> what we were kind of like looking at timeline, but we got through early summer. So like, that's perfect timing to kind of get things ready. So when the fall comes and it's cooler out, you can obviously do more events and that type of thing. Yes, that was like a big thing. Cause like, I, you know, I haven't wanted to plan too many events and, and call in too many favors and stuff. Cause I'm like, what if everything is not like, you know, like I've kind of talked to some business owners, but again, it's kind of been that whole thing that's like, yeah, when you get it, like we're happy to, you know, do stuff. So now that like we have it, we can actually start planning things on a much larger scale. 
Um, even things like uh, when you when you go on Facebook and someone's like, "Oh, I'm raising money for you know this charity for my for my birthday." You can't do it unless you have that status. Um, and you're just literally there's nothing you can do to make it faster. You're just like at the mercy of the government to like take their time and approve it. And it takes at least five months, yeah, takes, if not more. Like you know, pre-COVID times, like when yes, opening back up, more people are starting their own businesses and doing their own nonprofits. That and seeing the need, obviously, so a lot of people were driven to start nonprofits. There was definitely a backup period, so there definitely was expectations that it was going to take longer than it did. So. Congratulations. Yeah. Snack we had an out. agent and like he literally just I felt like I was in a sitcom because like we'd reach out to him and be like, hey, like any updates? And he'd just kind of be like, who are you? <laughs> like just things like that. And then like one time we mailed him something that we we're supposed to mail him and he was like, oh, well, I only check the mail uh, at my office like once every two weeks because I don't go in. So I guess I'll just see it when I see it. And we're like, cool, cool. <laughs> like just a lot of that. Unrelatable content. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't never mind. Let me not say that because I am actually notoriously terrible at checking my own mail. But I don't like have other people's information stuff waiting yeah. for it. Like I don't like my like he would be like, like he would literally be like you have thirty days to get this paper to me, and so we'd send it the next day, and then we'd be like, hey, you know, like a week later, hey, we just you know we sent the paper as soon as you said to send it. You know, just want to make sure it got to you in time. And he'll be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to find out for another week. We'll see. <laughs> like, cool, cool. Great. Yeah, I can't even. The anxiety is too real for that. But, you know, today, shifting gears a little bit, we're going to be talking about just the business of profits and kind of just money in general and the general term of having a business and, you know, looking to grow and what you should be looking for. We're not going to do a lot of intricate details about like small things because we're really trying to just get to the point of like these are things to look for because people just don't talk about money but they do talk about it when they want you to pay for their services so they're like i'm mm-hmm. a six-figure money you know month earning entrepreneur so obviously i'm good at what i do you guys should buy my services but they don't talk about for seven hundred dollars you should buy this course and I'm like, but why? How did you get that? Money? Yeah, like, how did you get the money? It never, there's never a how you got the money. And it just, I just, so maybe we'll talk about how you can get this money, like how you can start to build the foundation to right? be one of those people. But please don't. Because uh, I just, <laughs> it's, it's becoming very exotic. I don't think that the amount of profits you make are necessarily a guarantee of you being good at a certain thing. And I think Not it's at all. difficult for some people to hear because they like to think that they're better at certain things than others. Based on there are people who make zero monies and are like geniuses that are creative geniuses that are like science. You know what I mean? Like just people who do not understand business or don't have the whereabouts of the whatever it is to just monetize their craft, but are fancy yeah. So just. And it's also one of those things where it's like someone can make a certain amount of money and that could be what they made, but then they could also not make money again for a year and a half. So you don't really know, like someone could say like, oh yeah, I made, you know, 30 grand in uh, one month, but then like they don't make anything else for the rest of the year. So you really don't know what that person's actual finances look like month in and month out. And honestly, it's like, I hate to, you know, be the bearer of bad news, but people can lie. 
And uh, I hate to be pessimistic. I'm, I'm normally not. I am an optimist. But the reality is, is that like I've seen it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you just want to be, you know, you just want to be like aware of those sort of things. And, and it's it, I know it can be hard to like navigate when you're when you're trying to learn about money. It can hard to be navigate like who is actually helping and who is just kind of like throwing nonsense out there. So. Um, yeah. And obviously we're coming at this from perspective of people who are entrepreneurs. There are people who obviously have regular, regular salaries that make good money, who are doing just fine, who do not need to leave their jobs, who are not interested in leaving their job, not interested in doing any of this. And this is not for you. Like this episode's not for you. People. You, already, you know what you're doing and you need to go to a podcast that's catered to you. This is more for like people who are looking into entrepreneurship, even as like a side business or the main business, just what to do. And so to kick it off a little bit, we're going to talk about just moving from a side hustle to a business because that's a lot of the the things you yes. do usually is that you just start doing something on the side to make extra money for to meet ends, whether it's like to make more money to pay for a bill or maybe pay for a trip or a specific thing, but you just start to monetize something that you're or even just that like you love because maybe your job makes you good money. And because I have a friend who, you know, she works in finance. She loves what she or she doesn't love what she does, but she's been doing it for a while. She makes great money, but she's really passionate about skincare and has gotten certified to do eyebrows. So she wants to open up a business doing that. But she's in that transitional phase where it's like, well, I make good money and I have, you know, good health insurance and those sort of things. But I'm passionate about doing brows and skincare and that sort of thing. So it's like there's definitely you want to be careful and cautious when making that jump. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's so many reasons, but that's usually like the intro to starting a business. Most people don't just jump in two feet in and like do a whole thing. And if you do, we'll talk about it. Let us know. Become a guest on the podcast. But um, some of the ways to know when it's time to move your side hustle and maybe to start those steps to kind of anchor it as a business is just obviously the amount of income you're, you're willing to make and how much money you have to put like to get there to leave your job. So a good KPI, good performance indicator, obviously, is when you start to match your salary. That's typically the point when most people in 2021, I'm not going to say that's the case, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, because it probably was not. But in 2021, most people are at the point where they say, okay, my side hustle is making, I'm making as much as I am in my day job, or I'm making more than I am. So then I can, obviously you're doubling your income. That's a good way to start mm-hmm. to see that maybe this thing is working out for you. It's going well. And that's something that maybe now you can start taking the steps to kind of start to have some, even it doesn't even have to be a hundred percent. So obviously like once you start to get over that 50%, get in that 75% mark of your salary every month, you can start to see because I think it's easier if you're living within your means, obviously. Yeah. Cut back on twenty five percent of your expenses and kind of live off seventy five percent of your income versus fifty percent of forty. So that's the goal is just to match your income to the point where you can obviously that's what you can live off. And it's consistent for a period of time that makes sense. Because like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, you can be making good money today, <laughs> but next week you could also make zero dollars. And now you're making enough and you're sustaining yourself enough where the money you made last week was enough to cover you for the next week, et cetera. So that's just the ebbs and flows of owning a business. Um, and also I think knowing your return on investment early. So a lot of times, like this is your friend, for example, she's starting a skincare business. She maybe create a skincare products or if she's doing eyebrows, the, the tools you may need, the travel time, whatever, having people come in, 
PPE. I, I would love to think that she's still wearing a mask under people's eyebrows. Um, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, you know, what, how much does that stuff cost? And is, are you spending more money on your tools and resources than you are making money? Then obviously you're not at a point where this needs to become your full-time thing. You need to figure out how you can make more money to cover costs because you're not making a profit. So you need to get to the point where you at least are profitable where you're like, okay, I can do this and it doesn't kill me to buy the tools I need to do my side hustle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if selling shoes on the side is your side hustle, if you got enough money and padding to get a limited edition pair on the sneakers app at any point and it won't bankrupt you, you know what I mean? Like it just comes out of that, like, this is my sneakers money. So just being able to look at that very quickly. And then obviously if you're not, it's not working, knowing when to move and move quickly. If you want to invest your time in this, make this a whole thing. Cause the biggest thing that you could do is say, I'm going to have a side business, start a side business, something maybe like catering. And that's typically maybe where you live only happen in the spring and the summer and you're doing pretty well, but you don't have a plan for fall. And so once you start going into the fall months, you start to see a huge decline and it's not working and you have the opportunity now to pivot quickly and find out what you're going to do. So what are you going to do? Are you going to become a ghost kitchen type of thing where you start doing catering to like small businesses or maybe people versus doing the events? Like you need to be able to be flexible in your range and what you're doing in your industry and just knowing there are other ways to do your skill set and not just in the particular way that you're doing. Like, so if she's doing eyebrows for individuals, maybe the thing is now she switches to events. So maybe she just goes to bridal parties or bachelorette parties or, you know, whatever it is. She can do pride. <laughs> she can do drag night. You know, yes. She's coming in and do everybody's eyebrows, whatever. But she just needs to be aware of when to pivot her market. And I feel like, like a big part of pivoting quickly, too, that people don't think about is like charging more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people come out with like a product or service at the beginning and they underprice themselves and they're like, they really learn quickly, like, oh, the return on investment is not there. Like, I'm spending so much to make this thing or to be able to do the service. And when I look at what I'm making, it doesn't really make sense for like how much work and time and energy I'm having to put into it. I think when you first get those first sales, right, it just you're so excited that you're like, it just feels so good. Like, I, I, I know, I love that feeling. I've had that feeling, but it feels so good. And sometimes people don't actually want to even do the math or deal with it. I have talked to people who have been doing their like side hustle business for like over a year. And when you ask them, like, how much do you make per product or how much do you make per this particular service? And they'll say, I don't really want to look at that. Like they'll literally say like, I've just been afraid. And so I just don't want to look at, I don't want to deal with it. And let me tell you like that right there is going to be one of the main things that's going to keep you from turning that side hustle into a full business. It is scary. It is scary to be like, oh, I thought I was doing really, really great because I just look at the overall like, oh, I made this much or there's this, this much in my Etsy account or whatever. But you have to account for the materials, the time, all of those different things that are going into it. And it's so important to pivot quickly if, and change your prices if you need to, change those packages up for those services if you need to. Um, I pivoted quickly with candles because I realized like I was actually selling them for less money than I should have been. And I really started, especially when I got up to DC, because this is a different market. Like what sells for, you know, $15 in Florida will sell for 25 in DC. And not only that, but Orlando's becoming a very, very expensive place as well, right? Especially with 
um, the pandemic and just there's been like that housing boom down there. So you have people that just make more money because clearly they're spending that money on houses and, and buying them for, you know, 30,000, 40, 50,000 plus more of what they're worth. So yeah, they can spend a little bit more than what I would have like, cause again, I'm not my ideal client. Someone much fancier than me is my ideal client, right? Or maybe as fancy as I would like to be in the future. Um, so yeah, I probably would be like, oh, I'm not going to spend, you know, more than this on this product or this on that product, but I'm not my ideal client. So that's so important to remember because I think a lot of people when they start a business, they're thinking of something that's personal to them and like a need or a service that's personal to them. And I completely get that. But just remember that just because it's what you would particularly pay for it, or maybe your best friend or your mom, those people, if they're not your ideal client, it doesn't really matter. So you need to make sure that you're setting your prices in a way that makes sense. And if not, you need to pivot those prices very, very quickly, just like you would pivot your services or anything else to make sure that they're working for your business for that longevity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's just, it's no, you don't, you know, the thing about business is that there is time, but also there is the more time you spend in a failing market, the less money you make. And so you just need to be realistic of saying, okay, well, I'm making some money, but are you making the money you need to make? And be realistic with yourself. And I think that's the biggest part of being a decent entrepreneur is being able to have those hard conversations with yourself. If you cannot, you need to partner with somebody who can sit you down, shake your little shoulders and say, hey, girl, hey, friend, this is not working. Like, we're not doing what we need to do. We need to pivot and do something else with our time. Or maybe the industry is not for you at all. Maybe you're just not making money. You've put in six months into something and it's just not profitable. At what point are you saying no? Like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to be like, this didn't work. This failed and, and move on and maybe take a break and try something else. It's not the end of the all because everybody has failures in their own sense, like we talked about. But just knowing when to say stop or move really early on helps you avoid, you know, more heartbreak in the long run. Um, and the thing to really help you avoid making a lot of mistakes early on that are rookie mistakes other than reading 90 articles about the same things is getting the good systems in place early in your business so you know what you need. I'm not saying invest in really expensive software and thing like that because you can obviously over, you know, lose money there too where you're paying more money for systems and organization and tools and software where you're not making that money back but using free tools to ease yourself mm -hmm. is free we bought every mm -hmm. single person we had on this podcast since the dawn of time when we asked them what tools they use to run their business always say google sheet because it's free yep it's a free always that you can put in that you can do your spreadsheets you can do your docs you can do your powerpoints you can do whatever you need to do workplaces and all that thing and it's available mobile, so it's on your phone, so you can do it and go, and you don't have to worry about, like, having a whole laptop and creating a whole thing and buying things. Like, it's okay to use free products in the beginning before getting up to paid services. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in doing that. Like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, then you can make enough money to pivot to something else to do that. But have systems in place early document your processes so that you're not repeating the same steps over and making mistakes, especially when you go into shipping products. If you have a certain shipping system, write those things down. So you're consistently doing the same thing over and over again, because once you start shipping and maybe you take a break from shipping products and then you have like suddenly like 20 orders again, like you may forget a step 
you may create something, you know what I mean? Like you may have a yes. that doesn't work. So you just need to make sure that you're doing the same thing so that your customers can get the same experience across the way or other. Cause like if I order a candle from Charisma, my friend orders a candle from Charisma, her friend talked about, oh girl, these stickers that came with the camera was bo- the candle was bomb. And I'm like, I didn't get a single sticker. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yep. And that's that that happens because, you know, especially now, nine times out of ten, like when, when we're buying things, it's often something that we've seen on someone's Instagram. We've maybe seen an influencer or a friend or something like that um, buy it. A lot of the stuff I've bought lately has been from Etsy shops, and a lot of it has been from looking at what my friend Morgan buys because she is like a spending queen. And so I'm always like, if I want to like get a little something for myself, or I'm looking for a, a cute, unique gift for a friend. I'll kind of look at like, what has she bought lately? And then I'll go check out those shops, you know? And so if I'm seeing her open something or unbox something and I'm seeing like a certain, cause you're paying also for an experience, right? So if I'm seeing her getting a certain experience and then I'm getting something completely different, it's like, that's going to be like, Hmm, that doesn't really make sense. Plus, again, repeat customers. So if I, you know, of course your system's going to change over time, right? But if I buy something from you and get one experience and then the next time I buy something, the experience is worse, that's not going to make me want to continue being a repeat customer. So really think about that. Like if you're changing up what you're doing, you want to be elevating it in a way that, you know, makes sense over time for your business and your brand and your customers will get that. Oh, this is different this time because it's better, you know, but you don't want it to be different because you forgot a step or it's worse or, you know, whatever. You're just being consistent. Exactly. Um, And we have episodes about systems. Several of them talk about people. And I feel like systems come up a lot because you're in love with systems. (laughs) Probably super great systems conversation was with Major of E Project Pop. So I'll be yes. So she talked about her systems in detail and what her uh, partner set up for her to run in her business. And so we, we kind of went a little bit more in the systems on that. But uh, to move on, we also, once you get to the point where you're, you know, you started your business, you set it up, you got your, you know, EIN, you registered for your LLC or whatever it is with your state. Um, creating income goals, because obviously you will be making a certain amount of money, but now you want to know what that amount of money is. Do you want to keep it that way? Do you want it to be the same? How do you want to do it? And a good way to obviously do that is have a set goal for how much monthly recurring revenue that you come in every month. So this is just revenue, obviously, based on the business as it is or whatever other ways you're making money. Like if you're still keeping your job, you just know that your bottom line is that you need to make $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month. You know what I mean? Like, you know what that goal is and you just make it what it is. Um, and I love breaking it down by month instead of year because I think a lot of times people will be like, well, I'm going to replace my salary. So I'm going to make, you know, whatever, like 55000 this year or whatever it is. And it can be really easy when someone's first starting out in business to like, okay, maybe that first month you did good, but then the next few months are not doing so great. Um, and then people will say, oh, well, it's okay. I still have the whole year to make it up. Well, the issue with that is that you don't know if that's going to happen. Um, and then you're going to get behind quickly and things are going to be stressful. And like, for me, like I always want people to open a business in a way that isn't going to be stressful. Like if you have that chance and opportunity and you have, you know, a solid job at the moment, I'm like, keep on that until you're consistently meeting your monthly goals with your business alone and then take a look at stepping back because you want to make sure that you have that or in some cases like you know um, some people will save up enough that they can say hey I'm going to take you know a year or two years or six months or three months or whatever it is and kind of like 
calculate their risk that way so that if they do miss that monthly, uh, you know, revenue that it's, they've already kind of made it and put it to the side. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to look at things on a monthly basis. It'll also kind of like what you were saying before, it's really helpful to know like seasonally how things are going to go because you might have an amazing January and then your April is completely dead. And then that's going to teach you to look like, is this something I'm doing or is this maybe my industry? Because certain industries are that way, right? Like for me right now, it's my slow time because it's summer and it's not terrible, but it's not the type of money that I'm going to be making in fall and winter, right? Like it's so much easier to sell a candle in fall and winter than it is in summer. <laughs> like that's just, yeah, it just is what makes sense. People in the Pacific Northwest right now with their 119 Exactly. Like, like right people are not trying to have tiny fires in their home right now to keep them warmer for ambiance when it's so hot. Like how do you, how do you sell someone essentially like a little tiny fire machine in summer? Like, but it's funny because, you know, people still do buy it because there are people like me who like to be cozy around and that's, totally fine. But this isn't the time where I'm thinking, you know, I like I have different income goals for summer than I do for the rest of the year, believe it or not. And that's why, like, because fall and winter, again, those are go time. Everyone wants candles. And what's different about spring is that I can sell scents that are like kind of weird and floral and different than like what you would buy in fall and, su- in fall and summer. So people are like very into that. So that's what I'm going to sell something that has you know, just notes of lavender or red, red currant or things like that, those are going to sell in spring, right? Um, So spring does pretty well, but summer is like when it gets slow. So my income goals are much lower for summer than the rest of the year. So that's something to know as well. Like, what does each month look like? Which months are going to be different? And where are you going to make that up? Because I'm not stressed about like having lower numbers in summer, because honestly, I know I need this time to prepare for fall and winter when things are about to get really 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 yeah. intense and so yeah. the way to kind of manage ebbs and flows as your needs and your your life is obviously having your general cost of living expenses obviously you know you pay this much in housing a month you pay this much in your car if you have a car or transportation whatever that is a month you eat this much food a month obviously that can be <laughs> my food. grocery bill is so scary um, for two people like how <laughs> bare minimum of it, your t- utilities, your insurance, that stuff is your bare minimum type of thing that you have to do your medications if you have anything. Uh, if you have a pet, obviously putting in money aside for that pet cost or whatever it is, you know. So that is the thing that, you know, that's your monthly, uh, your cost of living. So your monthly recurring revenue, regardless of the season, honestly has to be at least that amount of money. And that's mm-hmm. the, the scary number that keeps a lot of people away from me. Yeah. And I say, like, I just want to, like, reiterate that you said insurance because I feel like people say to themselves, I'm going to drop health insurance um, while I transition into owning a business so that I can do, like, own the business. And I can say owning a business to me feels kind of like a health risk because it can be very stressful. And it's more stressful if you don't have health insurance and things like that. So please include that in your cost of living. Like that needs to be a bare minimum thing. Yes and no, because we live in America. If we lived anywhere else, I would say absolutely. But it is so expensive. I could see. It is expensive. It would not be realistic. And I have friends who like we talked about um, in in her conversation and what she was doing specifically because I still do not believe the number 
that she had to pay for her and her husband. It just it is. Listen, I will say though, as someone who went without like health insurance for a really long time, that's why I say it. Just because, and I and I know, like that's the thing is, like I'm I'm kind of doing a like, uh, what is it? Do as I say, not as I do thing. Because that's like I did not have health insurance for a very long time. Do it, obviously. Yeah. But I will say it's like it was one of those things where it was like it's fine until it's not right and you can be going along with life and thinking that i'm healthy and everything's fine and then one day you go into a routine yeah you go into a routine exam and you find out that things are wrong and you're like holy crap and now you're having to pay out of pocket and those prices are nuts so like even if you don't have the best insurance, like I know that they have nowadays, they have like little, I don't even know. It's not called like insurance, but it's a co-op almost like you. Yes. Yeah. Like those sort of things. They're usually very religious. So this is my caveat to this. Oh, are they? 99% of them. I didn't know that. So this is with these is that they are a lot cheaper. I have friends who pay into these. Okay. I didn't know that. Have something like a 28 year old, like 28 week, pregnancy that needs to be terminated for like medical issues like his like they're not going to approve that cost wow okay so find one that isn't so, religious i've just yeah, seen like commercials for them so a lot that don't have religious faith i can't really off the top of my head the popular ones that are actually work there are a lot of them that yeah into and they don't i didn't even know that religion was like a part of that that's wild prove your uh like your cost so you pay into something but they have to everybody kind of reviews it and then some of them pay into it. So like a couple yeah. people pay into it. Like that's a, that's an option. Or you pay into it and it's like a group decision on a board or whatever. And they just approve this thing, like this this need that you may have needed. But it's very obviously like honor-based, value-based, depending mm. on a lot of them are Christian organizations. Okay. So unless so, you're super religious, maybe don't not, get into that one. LGBTQ plus people, that's not work for But I would I would definitely say like look into some basic insurance options if possible. Also a real like an just can't, can't your state funded whatever and and i know that we're gonna get into an emergency fund in, in a minute but i would also say like a health emergency fund would be um in addition to like your regular emergency fund would be beneficial um if you're if it's able if you're able to do that i would highly recommend it um and then i also recommend like you know if you have a friend if you live in a state that does um which I don't know if all states do this right now, but if you, I, I, I feel like they should, or I don't know, but because our world is so like messed up, they might not. Basically what I'm saying is like, if you can have a partner, right. And have your partner under your insurance, I would think that that should be covered in all states at this point, because you know, you can, but you might, I don't know if like places make you get married to do that. I'm not sure. But I would just say like, I know, for example, my brother has insurance for Matt and Matt is his partner, but they're not like legally married. Yeah. Um, and so if you have a friend that has that, like, please ask them. Like, if I if I have that, then you can jump on mine. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that it, it's wild how much money it can save you to go on a significant other's um, insurance. And there are 
like depending on if it's a more liberal company and whatnot, there are companies nowadays that are allowing people to choose someone who either is a partner or even a family member instead of just a married person. So it's worth, if you're starting a business and you have like this chosen family of friends, it's worth just reaching out to people you know and being like, hey, is there anyone that has a situation like that with their job? Because if so, I'd love to just like pay my portion to you and be able to have healthcare without, you know, having to pay an arm and a leg for it so and i think also another like i'm just going to be complete anarchy because i think the system is at the man and i'm honestly if you don't have the money don't give it to him that's me international health travel is a thing and it is like tourism health tourism is a real thing and people who have millions of dollars and really good insurance still get on planes and go overseas for certain procedures because it just financially fiscally doesn't make sense how much money in North America, in the United States specifically, people pay for stupid things that are life-saving or whatever. Like now Walmart is making insulin. Like this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like it took how long for insulin to be. So I... Uh, And like BT Dub. So when I didn't have like the good insurance or whatever, and I went, I, I had insurance. That's the crazy thing. I had insurance. It just wasn't, it didn't do anything. Um, and so basically I, you know, ended up like having this mask that they needed to like test or whatever. And then they send me in for all these tests and like, I didn't know how much they were. And it was just, it was all a big mess. But anyways, basically there is like a very expensive test they had me go get. I did not know that it was like $2,000. I tried to pay for it there because I didn't know how much it was. And they were like, oh no, it's fine. So I thought my insurance covered it. Right. And then they sent me a $2,000 bill after that. And I have not paid it. And my uncle who works um, at a hospital just told me don't pay it. And at a certain point, they'll probably just yeah, leave you yeah, alone. I mean, and they haven't said anything to me in a very long time about it. Obviously, we're getting ready to possibly buy a house in the next year. So I don't know if it's something that will come up. But like, I don't plan to pay it unless I like really have to because it's really a scam. It's a scam. It's totally a scam. <laughs> like, I would happily pay like $200 for it because that's what it should cost. But that's not what it costs. And also like, you know, the doctor made me feel like, or made, like made it seem as if like I had cancer. And so that's why we were getting all these tests and we were scared. And the doctor was like completely wrong. And I had a fibroid. So that was a fun week. It was, it was not the best of times. No, <laughs> it was the worst of times. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, obviously I got lucky that I didn't, you know, have worse health problems, but it's just wild that a doctor will tell you, oh, this, this, and this, we think this is going on. You got, and of course, like, you know, some doctors are just being careful and that's great, but you just, the healthcare system is a hot mess, bottom line. And, you know, please like, find someone who has navigated things um, and find a friend to like confide in and I you find know someone who works in insurance honestly. yeah Don't that's best case scenario talk to someone who's worked in insurance who can help you scam the system because that's what they do I'm just saying like I have a friend that's an ER nurse and I basically she she does so much for me shout out to Brittany she's amazing because whenever I'm sick I literally just FaceTime her college like the goal if you not like your goal was to make friends with a lawyer and a doctor. Like, I felt like yeah, I was say people. I have lawyers in the family, no and then I have Brittany, and, and that's and that's what you need. She diagnoses me a lot, and I am so thankful for her. Um, and another thing, obviously, if you have certain costs, like we said, your base, 
thing to do, obviously, smart is to cut your expenses. It, I, and the goal for yourself is to say this is temporary and it's not for a long run because what can happen is you get stagnant and you get comfortable with that lower number and you're not challenging yourself to make more money. You're like, okay, I can live without eating out. I can live without Netflix. I can live without Spotify. I can live without whatever services. I can live without going shopping every quarter, which is things that you don't need to, you know what I mean, to exist as humans. But that doesn't mean that, that needs to be the bare, like your your life for the rest of your time as an entrepreneur. That's like your current going into it, your beginning. And then as you start to make more money, you want to start adding in, obviously, all those quote unquote luxuries, as we like to call them, the things that just aren't the necessities. So you can be like, okay, well, now I can switch back to organic produce. You know what I mean? Like I maybe had to take a break from like that or like, the service that may have cost me a lot or going to get your, your eyebrows done probably is one thing that you probably cut out in that time. You, you obviously have your hard non-negotiables and that's totally on you, but you just need to know that if you're starting out and you aren't making as much as your monthly minimum needs to be to exist as a human being, start to cut the other things that don't need to do. So maybe traveling could be something that you can cut if that's something that you can that type of thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone's cuts are so different. Yeah. Um, so not, like they're like absolutely not. I'd rather cut my whole arm off. I won't be cutting that. And I'm like, you know what? Good for you. But, and yeah, it's it just really it's one of those things that's like so personal. Like for me, one of the things I cut that I actually haven't really ever really fully gone back to is getting my nails done in the salon. Like I used to always go and get mani pedi. Like that was just a part of my routine and once I stopped doing it, like to save money, it was something that I realized like I didn't really miss all that much. However, um, I eventually like took that money because, you know, like you said, like you, you want to make sure that you start making it back, right? So when I started making that money back, I was like, what can I do with it that'll like make my life easier? And I hired a cleaner to come out like and deep clean the house once a month. And to me, that was like much more of a luxurious situation than getting my nails done. And so if you ask me any day, I would rather have somebody come clean my house than to like get my nails done. I'm like, I'll just paint my own nails, but I, I hate cleaning. Like, I, like pedicures are one thing because I like I like people to rub my feet, but also I have a husband and he rubs my feet every night. So that's free. <laughs> the, like the nails of 2021 are so like the, 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 the life. It's a lifestyle. It's like sneakers. Like it literally is like that. Yeah, it is like sneakers. Yeah. Statement and it's I need someone who in like who has their nails done all the time to tell me to talk to me on this podcast and tell me hey, how much it costs and like how do they plan this out? Like I'm very intrigued by the nail culture. I would watch a documentary about it, to be quite honest. Because I'm yeah, and there's a lot of, like, at-home options now, too, which are yeah. which save people a lot of ex- expenses, because no, that is I the thing. is like people are spending, like, mm-hmm. money. Like, I would talk to the people who look at Sweetie's nails, and it's like, same, I'm going today to do it. Like, I want to talk to those yeah. people, because I just need to know culturally what it's like, because I have no idea. <laughs> it sounds really, it looks expensive. It looks not, and it looks, like, high to maintain, and like, mm-hmm. like you have to be very gentle with all the jewels and the the pearls and the things that come on your fingers. So. I'm like, I am part Italian, and I talk with my hand, and like, I I bang my hands together, and like hit tables, and I'm not even mad. I'm just like happy. Like that's just how I talk. So it would be a disaster for me. You would lose a jewel like three all the time. So yeah. I'm just someone, please come back and report to me about how that would or created. I'd watch a documentary like I said, create this part. I'd watch it. Um. 
the switching gears a little bit, once you start to make that monthly recurring revenue and then you start to make a little more, one of the better things you should do is start to obviously put money into your savings. So uh, as always, have an emergency fund that like... And that's something everyone should do, no matter if you have a business, if you are... Yeah, if you have like a solid, you know, salary job, whatever your situation is, have an emergency fund. And like, so when I, when I talked, like, this was like the big thing that my grandfather was on me about, like when I was, you know, 18, 19, he was like, you have to have an emergency fund, you have to have an emergency fund. And at the time, this is back in like 2005, um, a great emergency fund was $1,000, right? that was like a good starting point. And I still think that for a lot of people that can be a really great starting point is putting away $1,000. But your best case is what you want to do for an emergency fund is put away at least a month's worth of expenses. Like, so I'd say start with a thousand, if you have nothing saved, start with a thousand, then move on to a month's worth of expenses. However, that looks for you. Some people that's going to be a thousand, some people it's going to be 3000, some people it's going to be 10,000, whatever it is for you, put away a month's worth of expenses because you never know when you could get sick, something could happen and maybe you can't work for a month or, you know, your business doesn't bring in money for a month like we talked about. So you want to make sure you have that put away. And then when you have that month put away and you feel comfortable moving on to saving up three months. And I think the ideal to me emergency fund is about three months. And I know some people do six months and, and beyond, but I think yeah, three months is a really good. Six and then 12 yeah. Is like you could obviously have a sustained long-term. Yeah. But I think like three is something that a lot of people can get to. Um, but again, just build it in steps, build it uh, in steps. <laughs> yeah. Build it in steps. And you know that, cause it's overwhelming when, when you hear somebody's like, Oh, I saved three months or I saved six months. It's like, people just say like, well, I can't do that. It's never going to happen. So that's why I say, start with a thousand, move yeah. to the Even month. Like the and, start with the 500. That is the bare. Yeah. Thing. And that makes a difference. It's 500. Like he's like the first step is to get $500 in cash. Yeah, and that makes a difference because I just spent $300 on Valkyrie um, because she was sick. And so, you know, it like we have an, like, an emergency fund and, and it wasn't like the end of the world for us, thankfully, thank God, to spend that amount of money. But there was definitely like I remember a time when it was. And that's what John and I talked about on the way home because it was like she basically had a clean bill of health. Like we spent $300 and we were like, what a blessing for us, that's a huge blessing to not worry about that amount of money. Cause there was a time when that would have wrecked us. $300 unplanned would have wrecked us. So again, it's wherever you're at right now, please don't be discouraged. Like things can turn around and you can have a point where you have that emergency fund and it looks the way that you want it to look. Yeah, It just and takes time and, and effort, a lot of effort. But like the reality is you have to make more money. I'm not even going to yes. be like, you, can you do, you do. It's like we make, we make a lot more money than, than we did. And that, that's 100% why we have the emergency fund. You're 100% right. We make way more money um, than we did. That's, 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 that's the one thing that's changed. And that's why I said time. You know what I mean? Like that's why I said time, like effort. Yeah. But time. Because people can work in the same that's job true. for like six years and still get. That's like, true. And then some people can, whatever. some people can get an increase like faster than we did. Yeah. But for us, it was time. But like, more money. Cause you're going to pay for these courses and people tell you like, Oh, what's the secret sauce for becoming independent or having savings or whatever financial. It's the, if you are saving as much as you can right now on your whatever you make and it's like ten dollars a month 
it's not going to change until $50 a month until you a cut expenses. And if you cannot cut anything else, you have to make more money. And that's like, yeah. You know, and we did both of those things. Nobody wants to talk about them. And I will money. say 100%. So we cut expenses and we cut them extremely. And it was, you know, it was like intense. Um, and we did that for a long time and, you know, we were able to like put some money away and whatever, but what really made all the difference was both of us making a lot more money that, that is what made like it, you know what I mean? It's like you look back and again, like I said, like when that three hundred dollars would break us, it's like you look from that time to now and it's like it it it's so much like faster, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, of like when our income got bigger, it's like, oh well now it's just like so much easier. <laughs> so it is. It's I think that that's something that people don't want to like say because they're just like oh like oh, do well, this and like do that. Yeah, and it's like it's not no, that's that's literally and for John and I, a big part of it too that, you know, and I always remind people of this is I'm like, we don't have children. So for us, like when we have like an increase in income, it doesn't have to go anywhere but to us. So that makes a huge difference in our lives as well. Yeah, and, and, the, right and the amount of money. You don't have any. Like, exactly. The amount of money that we're, or the amount of time that we're allowed, like that we're able to work as well, because we don't have any kids and we don't have any like, you know, thank God we don't have um, parents that, you know, really need us financially at the moment. So having being in this particular position puts us in a position to be like, okay, we're going to make more money because we don't have certain responsibilities at this moment in time. We have in the past, we do not right now. Um, And so not everybody's going to be in that situation. So I don't want it to sound like, I don't know, like, I, I'm just like, for, for us, we understand, like, what a big deal it is to be able to make more money. And we understand that not everybody's in that position. So yeah. I just kind of want to put that out there because I hate that when people are just like, well, just make more money. Like, it's just like easy or just, just save it. It's not, it's, it's not always easy. There was, there was like years where we couldn't get, you know, keep up with that a thousand dollar emergency fund. There was such a long time when we couldn't do it. Right. Like when I had to help my mom financially and when I just made a whole bunch less, when he made a whole bunch less. So it's, you know, it's taken a long time for, for things uh, to change for us, but that's why now that they are, we're so like adamant about trying to like get our finances to where, you know, where we just will feel uh, like steady and, and safe with it all. Yeah. And it is a, privilege to have yes. extra money to put aside but obviously I think the assumption and, and it is a, a lot of times it is somewhat accurate that you can you can easily cut your expenses to save money which you can't for most people but I just hate that that's the default response of like stop eating avocados you need to buy a house where that's like right. not realistic for most of the people who are making low wage salaries because our minimum wage and et cetera, and it's still the same as it has been for the past 10 years. And yet the cost of living continues to rise. And there are people who make like bond to college and get good degrees and still come into other companies, but still start at a lower salary rate because of obvious like, reasons like discrimination. So there's just so many things and factors where it's like the obvious choice is obviously cut your expenses. You can save money. However, the realistic choice for most people is that you got to make more money. <laughs> like it's just that that is what it is at the end of the day. Um, and then once you get to that point where you are making more money, allegedly we're supposed to all have $1.7 million that we can all retire. Oof, whenever you say that, that really stresses me out. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is what the, that is what they said. We need, we need $1.7 million if we start, you know, to, to have to retire, to be a middle 
class retiree at the age of 66 and whatever, 2055. I forgot what like the year was that they gave or whatever. That's the amount of money that you should have saved in your retirement by yourself. That's not with your, your partner. That's you. <laughs> oh, that's, I don't think I knew that. I think that I thought it was for the two of us. Not for you and your partner. It's not for you, your partner, and your dog. It's not for you, your partner, and you, whatever. That's for you. you what are we going to be? Oh my gosh. Like Inflation and da 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 And so that's their estimate yeah. of how much it will cost to exist as a human being if you live the 12 or whatever years you're supposed to live. This is just like literally like that meme that's like it's expensive to just like be alive. Like that is that meme come to life. It is that mean. And so I guess we're going to talk a little bit. I'm not going to go into a bunch of a run at a time. Also, this is all on Nerd Wallet. There are so many other places that you can talk about this. There are actual podcasts and smart people who talk about retirement and like things you can do as a self-employed person. I am not a financial advisor. I'm not a, like, I didn't go to school for finances. I'm just somebody that can read words on the internet and know what they mean. Um, <laughs> and so... Uh, obviously something that most people, so we're just going to talk about quickly, like the difference between a Roth IRA, uh, SEP IRA, SEPR, IRA, SEP IRA, and then a solo 401k, which most people are familiar with is your 401k often is offered for your job. You have your little options that you can max it in. Cause you always hear like people like I maxed out our 401k before we became retired at 12 or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and you may not know if that's possible for you as a self-employed person. Like you just kind of figure out what retirement looks like for you. And can you retire early? Because as you stop working for a company, a lot of the stories of people who have been retiring early are people who literally just had good jobs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I was a dentist or I was like a financial advisor and whatever. And I was making $380,000 a year. And we retired by when we were 35. And it's like, yeah, you could do that because you were making like $380,000 a year, you know, but from a self-employed person, what does that look like? And honestly, it's not as easy depending on your industry and how much money you're making. Obviously, there's some, some difficulties in the beginning, but uh, just to go over, like a, a Roth IRA is just kind of a saving plan that has up to a $6,000 contribution limit every year. So that's an easy kind of thing to pay into. Obviously, you have that money sitting there and it's for you to pick up when you're ready to retire, whatever that looks like for you. Um, your SEP IRA is up to $57,000. It's a lot more. So a lot of people recommend this for self-employed people. Like everybody I've talked to has always been like, do that instead. Don't, don't do our, if you're your own, you know, boss or whatever, um, or up to 100% of your earned income. So you can set aside, obviously like hundred percent of your income. I don't make that kind of money. So I don't know how people be doing that, but good for them. Um, but it obviously up to 57,000 with a compensation limit of $285,000. So Basically, with that, you can save up to fifty-seven thousand dollars a year, which is a lot of money. That's a big difference, obviously, from six. I want to say that that's what my mother-in-law has. Yeah, and so what is? But it's like this is the one that like there is a penalty if you get try to get it early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, all of these have their own. Episodes. All of them do, but yeah. You talk to your people and they tell you what to do, and then there's a solo um, 401k, which is the option if you have no employees which is the same of the up to 57,000 or 100% income. But um, you also have like these little tiers and they talk about how like as an employee, you can do your 100% or up to um, $19,000. And then as an employee, you can contribute 25% of the compensation that you've made. So you're obviously your only employee, but as the employer, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to contribute 25% up to 25% of that as well. And then, um, if you're a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, you can 
contribute 25% of your net self-employment income. So that's how that works for there. And then there's the limit on compensation because it's based on up to $285,000. And that was in 2020. And there's also like a $6,000 bonus amount that you can add on, I think, to all three of these because of the pandemic. That was like all sketchy and weird because there was, you know, money was weird. Um, so they're allowing people to contribute a little bit more this year. I don't know if that's going to be a thing all the time. That just seems like it was the pandemic emergency. So figure it out. Have a long conversation. Um, and then if you want to offer benefits to your employees, if you are an employer who has up to 100 employees, you can do a simple IRA. People go back and forth on whether or not it's expensive, but like the bonus is that you don't have to file anything with the IRS. And so that's like a big jump for a lot of people wanting to do that so they can offer something. And then you have to match up to 3% of your employees' comp um, compensation. So that's why people say it's a little bit more expensive because they're like, eh, but it is easy to set up if you do want to offer something to your employees, which I would hope that I you should, <laughs> you would want to yeah. do that. Because honestly, I, I will be like, most companies do not offer 401k. Like, I don't know why people think this is the benefit and the default. Most small businesses don't offer retirement benefits. Like they barely offer insurance. Most companies do mm -hmm. not offer insurance options. Like they're just like, pray about it. <laughs> like I don't know what to do. So you have to also understand that like when you're in a company that's offering you really good benefits, which you should like, if you are going to work full time for someone, Hopefully they are either paying you like a ton of money or they are offering really good benefits. Because otherwise, what are you doing? If you're not making enough money and they're not offering you benefits, then like this must be your entry into it. But after five, 10 years in your career, you should not like, put your foot down. Just like no. leave, get out, do something, change your way because you will never be able to catch up because like, you, you know, you're paying your insurance out of pocket. It's very expensive. You're trying to save for your retirement out of your own pocket. You're not getting matched which is the benefit of having these retirement plans is getting your matching so that your employer can pay into that. So you can say, oh, that's such a big deal. There's some yeah. nonprofits who have 403B and some of them have the option to match and they don't. Teachers do that yeah. as well, 403B. So really mm -hmm. a cool thing to do as well. So you can also work in and, you know, there's options for companies to offer these benefits. But a lot of them choose not to because it costs money. So they're like, I'd rather have labor that's really cheap and maybe that's why a salary is a little bit higher in some startups and stuff because you don't get benefits. Or they're like, okay, whatever. Or at least if you're not going to give me benefits, give me stock options. You know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to figure out what your retirement is. And if your retirement is stock options in these startups, hopefully that's something that you guys can work out because people like BuzzFeed, if you haven't heard about BuzzFeed filing for their IPO and it definitely all the creators who left are like, we couldn't afford our stock options. We didn't buy those. We just didn't think that it would be a thing and now like if they had bought those stock options they would be able to retire some of them <laughs> yeah they started and how much they bought so but you know when you don't make a lot of money like you you really have to you know pick and choose and a lot of those creators had a lot of arguments and problems with their um proprietary creative information and stuff and trying to get that stuff when they left so Definitely look at your options in your business uh, if you work at a company. But in your business, I would say the goal was obviously if you have employees to start to try to offer them that option because you know how it feels to be in a position where retirement's not in your forefront. So if you're at the point where you can afford it, just do it. Like be a good human. Like don't make people 
work for you until they're 75 and then they're like I retired at 75 and they get one year you know what I mean like try to be a better human um so yeah I mean that's pretty much that on the, the savings part we can move a little bit more into increasing your revenue because obviously that is how you sustain a business right you make more money and continue to make more money because the cost of living is not going to go down it's not like no unfortunately tomorrow and rent prices are going to go down a thousand dollars if they did we would be all outside in our luxury, like penthouse for real, or buying houses or whatever it is. So that's not the case. So some things that you can do once you start to be consistent in your business is start to raise your prices, and that's yes. something that I think is really like the bare minimum of what you can do, whether it's your products or your services. Yeah, and don't be afraid to continually raise them. I think that a lot of people are so afraid that they're going to. Um, you know, lose clientele and that sort of thing. But again, like, make sure if your branding, uh, you know, is on par with who your target demographic is, then that's not going to happen. And in fact, there are some people that will look at your product services and look at the price and say, mm, like, they must not be that great, because it's this low price, like you're literally losing out on customers that way. And I will say, like, I am not the fanciest person ever, I am not rich. But there are certain things that if it's super cheap, like, I'm not going to get it. Like, one of those things would be something like, um, you know, like microblading. Is it called microblading your eyebrows? Something. What, whatever it is. Yeah. So, like, for example, like, my friend who does it, like, it's not cheap, right? And I wouldn't want something like that to be cheap because it's, like, a semi-permanent thing that they do. If I'm going to a spa and I'm getting a facial, like, I don't want it to be crazy cheap because I want to make sure, like, you know, are their hands clean? Are their products clean? Are they using good products on me? Like when I go to a facial, I go to Celebrations Health Spa, which is not a cheap place to go, but it's like something like that. It's more of like a luxury situation. You want to make sure that it's good. Even things like shoes, right? It's like you want to make sure that you're buying shoes that are going to last. So if I'm going to buy a pair of sneakers and they're $20, a lot of times I'm like, you know what? Those are probably not going to make it through three months of workouts. So I'd rather go buy, again, I'm not trying to buy like a $300 shoe, right? Because I'm not buying it just because of, uh, you know, it's trendy or whatever, but you, you expect to pay a decent amount of money for certain things. Um, so keep that in mind because you're not like Walmart, right? Like you're not, you don't need to have the lowest price and you're not going after the client that is just looking for the biggest bargain. And I especially think that with services as well, because with services, it's like, this is your time, right? You're, if you're selling a service, that means you are an expert in that field, right? So what does it say when you're undercutting yourself and charging way less than everybody else in your field and you're the cheapest, what does that say about your level of expertise being the cheapest person in your field? And that's what you're known for. No, you need to raise your prices. And if that means you need to raise, you know, your awareness or your skill set in order to do that, then do that. Um, But make sure that you're offering a good service and that you're charging, you know, a, a price that makes sense for that. Because again, that's what people are paying for at the end of the day is, your expertise, your your eye for whatever it is you're doing um, in that particular subject, right? So if I'm, for example, going to, you know, buy a branding package and someone's branding package is $350, which like, I can't tell you how many times people who I know who've not gone with me for, you know, a logo or for branding or social media. That's totally fine. Plenty of friends I have have done that. Guess what? Their businesses did not make it off the ground. 
And I'm not trying to be salty here because again, your, your friends are not necessarily your target demographic, right? And I do have friends who I have worked with, but for the most part, a lot of my friends who weren't serious about business didn't work with me and they went to Fiverr and they got like a super quick, easy logo that just kind of, you know, it just looked like something that you could do on like Canva, right? Like just something very, very like obvious. And they didn't have a plan for social media. They didn't have a plan for like, what was their brand about? Who were they targeting? That sort of thing. And it's funny because now that I'm not really like, I've worked with like two clients um, this year. Like I'm not really offering branding services because between Kismet and Charisma and the nonprofit, I don't have the time to. So now some of those people that their businesses pre-COVID like never got off the ground and then they've had COVID and they've been sitting at home and now they're like coming to me and they're like, hey, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I don't have the, the time to do that anymore. But this is why it's so important to go with someone who has a good price, you know what I mean? Um, because yeah, like you're, you're not going to get the same level of service. Like your websites are not cheap. Your services are not cheap. Um, but I would go with you over anyone else. I'd rather save. Like I'm literally saving right now because I want you to redo everything for Kismet and Charisma's newsletter. And I'm like putting away that money. Cause I'm just like, they're like literally there's just like no one that's going to be better than you and I'd rather pay someone who knows what they're doing you know what I mean so I just think that you know don't be afraid to have those higher prices people are going to um if they do end up going with a budget option whether it's a product a service whatever if that product's not going to last as long that service is not going to get them where they were trying to go and eventually they're going to end up coming around and paying the higher price anyways and if they don't again that is not your ideal client you want to go for someone who's going to pay what you have to offer and there are people that will pay it um so yeah just keep that in mind i guarantee whatever it is you sell whatever it is you do i guarantee you can find somebody in your field that is making good money doing it. So why shouldn't you be able to make a fair wage doing it? Like you are worth it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's a lot of it is imposter syndrome where people think they can't charge things, but I'm like, you deserve to live. You deserve to not struggle, right? Like if you haven't heard that and you didn't know that it's 100% true, like you don't have to struggle for the rest of your life. So please charge accordingly. I, this is like the hill I will die on because I want people to make money. Fact. I definitely thought about that because someone I know is starting her own uh, series of workshops. She's trying to get out of her job. She's a teacher and she's having a, a baby. Yes, there. get her out. Save her. <laughs> Poor <laughs> teachers. My husband. <laughs> so she's, she's taking a break, at least for the first year, you know, being a baby, just to take a break. But she's trying to supplement her income during her workshops. And so she was worried about raising her prices. And so she did. And she was stressed out that people weren't buying them. And it sort of looked like they weren't. But she wasn't publicizing either. So when she reached out and was like, oh, to a couple friends, like, hey, I don't think the sales are going as well. People are like, girl, what are you talking about? I have a sponsor ticket. I'm going to post it. I'm going to blast it on my social. Da, da, da. So it's also like, a, a, like you getting out of your own head, talking mm-hmm. to people about what you're doing as well. Even if it's just, again, like in the beginning, your friends and family may not be your target customer, but good friends and family will find yeah. customer for you. And well, and, and that is so, that is so on. We'll find it for me, for you because you know what really let me know that I could charge what I wanted with candles and I was going to be okay is that someone who is friends with you literally and her Instagram, I'm going to shout it out is Disney Kismet. Um, and she literally bought all of the candles that I sell. And 
you know, like that's how she found me is you sharing my stuff. So like, like you said, a good friend will help you find those people. And that like, to me, that was because a lot of friends supported and would buy like a candle and stuff, but somebody buying every, like just buying the whole line was like, whoa, she was the first person to buy the whole line. And that made me be like, oh, this is going to work. Like this, this is good. Yeah, you know, she, she was the target customer. You found the And she is. Like, she, yeah. And I, it's so funny because like, it's like now like she you know Krista she is a friend for me as well but um I literally like kind of like met her through you sharing my business and then her finding my business and like now she's a friend and I think of her when I'm developing new sense and new everything because she's she's literally my ideal client yeah so it's I haven't met my ideal client in uh my past businesses so it's really interesting I mean like I've met clients I absolutely like love it and you know whatever but it's just like so interesting to have somebody that I'm like you kind of like completely embody who target them like yeah like my target come to life on what the customer Mm -hmm. like when you do your customer experience workshopping you're trying to do your profile with the customer yeah like and you come up with that you know those profiles like and I've always had that person you know as a wedding photographer I had that person and as a branding consultant I had that person in my mind but never like met them (laughs) you know worked with tons of people that I liked and that were obviously within my demographic but nobody that would have been like yep that's the person but that she is literally I'm like that's her true fact Um, and some other ways obviously to make more money is obviously now we talked about several times in the podcast is increasing your revenue stream so adding in revenue streams yes um and so I'm just going to go over some quick passive um, revenue streams just because I feel like that's the easiest way to start making more money is passively. So these are like you passive. put the work up front so and then after that, that it's going to be pretty passive. Yeah. yeah. I think people think passive meaning like I just wake up and it's in my bank account. Like, no, you got to put Which it I would love, honey, and we would share it, you but it doesn't exist. It, if you if you find out about it, share it with us. <laughs> That's not how it works. You do have to put in some work in the beginning, but after time, like once you're done the work, it just pays for itself and the money makes itself and things are able to, you you making the money without you needing to do a whole lot of work from you. There's still obviously is maintenance and stuff. So I don't think people think like realistically about what passive means. They literally think it's just you roll in, putting your email and your bank account and the money comes in. It's like, no, you got to kind of maintain the services or the platforms or whatever. But it it's very minimal work. It's not like a day-to-day, like, going in, like, operation that you need to do. So um, some ways to do that, obviously, some of the easiest, I won't say easy, it's not easy to sell courses. But if you have enough information about what you do as a service provider, as a product maker, if you've done talks before, start to take that information and put it together and put it into a course and sell it and, like, let people go through the course and like, bam, it's done. Like you don't have to think about it because if you are educating people about what you do, you should be making money for that education. Mm-hmm. Probably a good time to start just putting that stuff together and selling it and packaging it up as a. And if you're wondering thing. like why you think that you, sh- you know, have the people like feel like they don't want to charge a hundred dollars or whatever it is, think about how much universities charge because I have learned a lot more from people who sell courses and such than I did when I was in college, so I just I have nothing. Like I don't again another scam. I, my, we're just gonna have a sub show where I just rant <laughs> about the industry and like F man and whatever. Um, if you've ever watched Captain Fantastic, which is on Netflix, highly recommend. Highly recommend. That is literally like it's a bad example. Like guy's probably very extreme, but I feel him in my spirit. 
<laughs> about like what he's doing with his kids. It's a wild movie. Wait, but... what is he doing? Uh, so it's a, it's about a guy who has six kids and he raises them oh. completely off the grid. Um, oh. His wife were doing it, but she had bipolar disorder and like spoiler, obviously she she ends up trauma alert, like something bad happens. So she ends up, and she came from like a rich family, et cetera. So they like are going to try to like retrieve her body or whatever, but they have to go through the real world. And it's really him trying to understand like what he's done wrong, but he's very like anti-establishment, like after man, his kids like can recite all this literature. Like they don't go to school. Like they, it's, it's why it's like, it's partially like I admire him, but also like he is putting his kids in danger sometimes. <laughs> so it's like, at the end, he finds the balance of like what works best. Yeah, kids, yeah. Like you don't have to have the traditional uh, way of learning, and I do. Like I think that's one hundred percent correct, and I do think that we're moving more towards a world where that's more common. Like especially with what we've done with the pandemic, I think that now that so many people have learned online and seen that that's something that does work for a lot of people, like there's more. Um, like there's more sources where you can learn online. Like I know in Atlanta, they're opening up like a whole online school, which they didn't have or a whole online uh, County, I guess it would be considered or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's like they're offering that now for younger kids, which means that they're just going to be that much more equipped to take courses and things like that. And really when you think about it with an entrepreneurship, I mean, there's all like you always you need to learn new systems you need to learn just different things that are going on and so really like learning from people in the industry who are are doing really well with it is really the best way and it like makes way more sense than spending you know why would i spend a thousand dollars to go take it at a university when i could you know spend maybe two or 300 to get a really good course that sometimes these courses are even updated yearly and you get the updates, like things like that. I found, I mean, like if you don't know like the, the background of it all, I dropped out of school. Um, but I was in business school um, at Nova Southeastern University and I was finding that what I was learning from like having conversations with you and Melissa was more beneficial than what I was paying thousands of dollars to learn at a private business school because everything was so outdated and everything moves so quickly now that, you know, everything is online. So everything moves so quickly with the internet. And I was just like, I'm not even learning stuff that is helping me. And that's not to say no one should go to school. I think school can be beneficial. I think if you can afford it, that's great. Um, I just don't think that it's necessary. And I think that it's whether you go or not, you're going to need to continue learning. You should continue learning your whole life. And courses are such a great way to learn. And so, yeah, I think that if you can package that information and get it to people, that's the thing is like, you know, we talk about um, the work you have to do at the, at the forefront. You have to be not necessarily a good teacher, but a good presenter, I guess is the way to say it. Because not everybody, everyone can know the same information and not everybody's going to be able to share that information with somebody in the right way, right? So that's your gift is that if you can put together a course that people really understand, the the flow of it is really good, it looks good, and someone can read it and and do whatever, you know, the assessments are or whatever and say, okay, I really feel knowledgeable in this area and then tell a friend about it and that friend wants to buy it and so on and so forth. So that is the the one thing is that you have to be good at it and or you have to hire somebody, right? who is good at packaging 
the material. So you can know the information and kind of share it with somebody who can kind of put assessments together a little bit and maybe uh, word things a little bit differently um, and make things visually different. And this might be a series of people. And, and a lot of times it is. So just keep that in mind at the beginning of starting that course um, is that you might need to hire a designer. You might need to hire um, somebody who's actually going to do the writing for you, depending on what your skill set is. But there's nothing wrong with being like, I'm really, really good at this thing, but I just don't know how to get into a course. Like there are people that you can hire to do that. Yeah, it's a very uh, low barrier to injury to get it. I do think, like, most of the people, like, you know, like, your Marie Forleos who, like, have huge followings and stuff, like, I think that they hire people to put their courses together. Like, not to say that it's not the information they know. I think they know it. The product I'm going to talk about. (laughs) I'm just saying I don't think that they do it themselves. I can't find anything kind to say about the person that was just mentioned, so I won't say anything at all. Uh, (laughs) I'm just using her as, like, the most obvious example because I just feel like... one of many... But you agree, right? Like, just like someone like that isn't doing probably. And we had, um, who did we have? We had someone on the podcast who was a curriculum writer who wrote curriculums for school a long time ago. We look up her information, put her on. But, you know, that's what you need. You need a curriculum writer. You need a course writer, someone who can obviously, like you said, package information and make it marketable. Get a good copywriter who can write your sales copy and kind of like get your lead pages together and get people interested in having a good uh, sales funnel process, having a good email marketing, all that's included in doing yes. work. And that was the creator of Langston League. So yeah. look them up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah. We'll put a link to her episode because she, she can share. She can, she can, that would be something she could do is put a course together, I'm assuming, if she is, has if the time and space right now. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying she could definitely do it. I'm just saying you could ask her if you can pay her. That's she what can I'm ask saying. You. Maybe she can refer someone. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Moving, yeah, digital downloads and digital products are obviously another easy way. If you already create something, like I have prints that I've made already that I don't really want to have printed because I don't think they're, I wouldn't print them, but you guys can print them on your own printer. So it's eight and a half by 11 downloadable. And usually they're very seasonal. So a lot of the Christmas like stuff and um, some of the Halloween ones that are just a little type or a little fun phrases where I'm trying not like, it's not really up to, I must say it's up to part, but it's not like, it's not very much in, in depth with what I, my collection is, but it's something that's like- I love it because you're like, I guess I like it, but I'm not printing it. And like, I, all of us are like, we want it. it. <laughs> There's been m- multiple things I'd ask you to like make a print out of and you're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you guys can go print them. Like, I live, laugh, love. Like, go print that on your own and it will be 10 bucks if you want me to do it. In my handwriting, I will laugh do it I will not print that with my vendor I don't want them to know that about me that's I'm not shaming myself like that um but yeah so that's a really easy way to thing that you can do if you do any type of digital service like logos and stuff you can just sell those things things that like logos that didn't sell very easy way to just yes. up and sell them on creative mm-hmm. market Etsy or wherever people are on your own website even just to have it out and about so people can easily download it. for people who are starting their own business a lot of times they're just overwhelmed with the thought of hiring someone they just want to go and get their own and kind of DIY it themselves. And so if you already provide those services, you can also provide those products. So that's something that you mm-hmm. can think about. Um, a good, another good DIY, like, not DIY, but digital, like, service is obviously starting a SaaS company, a software as a service company, if you have the means and the ability to do so. 
or you can buy one that already exists. That's another good way to like make money where you can make a certain and probably more monthly recurring revenue by selling like a plugin or something like that. You know what I mean? That people may use like a to do app, that type of thing that's just online that people can pay monthly. Like I'm paying $10 to use Asana or whatever it is. And then I just use it. And then I stop paying for it. Then I no longer have access to it. So that's a really yeah. good way to make a uh, passive income. That is a lot of front, a lot of the times, mm-hmm. but there's so much documentation and there's so many people being more open about their SaaS companies and how they make money. So this is probably a good And a lot of times I think the return on investment in that situation oh, yeah. is great. So you might be doing more upfront, but it's like worth it's it. It's very quick. It's very, and people are just very open about like, and people just do this for fun. Like there's people who just start that, like took these businesses. So that's something to look into. Uh, membership sites and communities is a really fun way. If you're popular, people like you, if they like your products, they want to, if you as a person, you as the brand, they want to know more about you or what your services or what your products are. They will pay for exclusivity. They will pay yeah. to be a part of a community that is just loving this one product. This one. So big, that's a big thing. And that's something where batch working comes in. Is that you pay and you get that community. It's not even just mm-hmm. the course, it's the community. The yes, that because it's like-minded them. people. So if it's like people that follow you and they speak in your comments and things like that, I think of someone like Lovey comes to mind. Yes, who she, like her followers, a lot of them are very, like have very similar personalities and they're people that like get along and sometimes will even become friends in her comment section, yes. right? So someone like that, you would pay to be around that community of other yeah, like-minded people. Yeah. And a lot of times people will batch that content out, like maybe because a lot of times membership sites will come with like a little bit of content or whatever that's exclusive, but you can batch that out and have it just done. So again, it's, you're doing that work up front. And then after that, you know, not so much. Um, And a lot of times somebody might have somebody who kind of like monitors the site to make sure there's no, like nothing, you know, terrible going on or whatever. And obviously one of the easiest ways to sell this, type of thing is through patreon through mm-hmm. only fans instead of trying to rebrand themselves to be family friendly or whatever which is <laughs> wild you know i wouldn't use only fans but you know if you want to use patreon feel free to do that or it, the smartest way always is to build your own thing like let's be real uh but that is a very easy low entry to, mar- to do that affiliate marketing is a good way to make extra cash or have people if you have a site if you are an influencer have people just you just put in their links for stuff and then people buy those and you get a kickback like yeah oh you just bought this woolly like sweater from old navy now i get 20 old navy bucks or whatever i would hope it's cash but sometimes it's like now keep in mind that with affiliate marketing like um it's beneficial to have many links and it's beneficial to have you know a lot of followers like followers do not always matter but in this case they do so i think again a great example of someone who does that is color me courtney she does well with affiliate marketing because but again she's always sharing new clothes always sharing new things so television at this point so yeah i saw her in like some other thing recently where she was but maybe not even big tv she may have shared somebody's like thing on instagram and they share a story and i was like i just don't 
That's yeah, she she was a host on um, a show recently, and so yeah, so like just keep in mind like that's something where yeah, you're if it's just you're gonna be in front of um, people a lot. So she's you know sharing on Insta every single day. She's you know sharing on the internet every day. So if you have that sort of personality, we're already like comfortable sharing all the time. Then yeah, share the things that you're you know because people will already be interested in what you're doing and stuff. And so if it's not a brand deal. Uh, you can still get money from affiliate marketing. You're not going to get as much as a brand deal, but it's also, again, a lot more passive because it's just like, oh, this is a shirt I'm wearing. Here's the link. Buy it if you want. It's not like a brand deal where you're going to then be creating content around uh, those items. So Yeah, and also if you have a, like, a blog of a good way where you don't really, like if you were, like, I think of someone like Jenny of the blog S who up until a certain point was not very visual in social media and she's still really not like she is but to her own extent because she's yeah down as part of the book deal experience but jenny lawson had this blog and that was it like you really didn't even really, like she showed top of her head top of her face like the back of her head the kids like that type of thing and now she's been more public as her daughter's gotten you know, older and that type of thing but she very much is was a very private blogger who had a lot of popularity who to me embodies someone who was very private book mm-hmm. could have been making a killing if she did not <laughs> on affiliate marketing because she was just so popular like she had a blog yeah very non-problematic very humorous very like high traffic and she could have easily have blown that spot up with like affiliate marketing and ads and she did not bless her that's why she probably has all these book deals because she was a good human but she could have you know what i mean so that's also an option for you i don't know how much it is as an option 2021 but I think you can't start to drive traffic to a content source if it's good content. Do affiliate marketing mm-hmm. that way. If you do not feel comfortable doing Instagram lives and doing, but it's just a lot harder that way because it's like she's been around for a very long time and she's been blogging for a very long time. So you know, it, she's had a long time to build that that very yeah. good following. Yeah. Um. But uh, and then the other obviously hosting reselling like if you have hosting like a website a lot of times you can sign up for their reseller programs or you can just drop links and people are like in your courses or whatever your content same thing it's affiliate marketing same idea or if you can sell it that hosting plan if your service provider like you do websites you can sell hosting through your account like your business account so then people don't you can say okay you will host you but it's part of this package da, 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 da. or you can buy hosting through our package and it's this much so it's, it's a little bit of like that MLM factor, but it's something that people actually will use and need. Um, that's a big option. And then another thing, obviously, that is drop shipping, where you create the products, but somebody else has to ship the products. And a lot of times, the people who ship the products also make the product. So you like create the whatever it is, order mm-hmm. it, and then they make the product and ship it. And it's kind of like you're done. You just need to put in the design or whatever, or the order that the people have, they put them in and it just goes and you're kind of completely removed from the process. So that's a really... And a lot of dropshippers will put your branding and yes. your specifics yeah, on it, which is really great. Box or like, and, you know, depending on smaller or the larger of the dropshipper, some of them like can say, you, they can put in details like, oh, this was shipped by da 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 now. But, you know what I mean? Like it's just, you can be yeah. as transparent as you want using a dropshipper. Because uh, for me, for Kismet and Charisma, my candles obviously come from my home, but uh, we do mugs and totes as well, and we drop ship those. And I was originally making the totes at home, but that with the candles, I was like, that's not going to work. So I found a great drop shipper and, you know, like uploaded the designs was a fairly easy process, and they just add my branding to it. So it's still that like, 
you know, like cozy minimalist vibe that Kismet and Charisma has when, whether you're ordering, you know, a mug or a tote, or if you're do, you know, ordering a candle that is going to be directly from me. Yep. And there's dozens, there's big, large, you know, corporations and they're small mom and your mom and pop printer a lot of times does a drop shipping as well yes a couple of and they're often prices are really good and they those are often the ones that are really good with like the branding and such yeah um yeah and then obviously being smart about hiring a good way to make more money is hiring people and i don't think about that but your output is only as good as you are as your one person so once you start to be smart about outsourcing certain things that you may need. Like if you're not a web designer, not a web developer, why are you still spending hours of your time trying to build your website? You know what I mean? Like if you mm-hmm. can save up a little bit and invest in somebody else, you save your own time. So then now you're free to do other things like develop new products or do more marketing or whatever. And once that money's spent, guess what? It's done. You don't have to, it's like not a current cost. Then you can start investing that extra money you make into other things so that's something to think about because i think a lot of people stress out about like hiring and like uh, one of the i cannot I mean, wait to hire but it, i probably for like- for the nonprofit, like the first like thing i want to do almost kind of before i take a salary maybe probably not maybe is hire a grant writer because it's like one of those yeah. things where it's like we yeah. have so much work to do and it's only going to be more once um fall starts and it's like safe to do so we're going to be going into classrooms on top of all the other things we do for the nonprofit and we also are still trying to like write grants to like get the money to be able to do what we do and something that i found out um from Joshua your friend who we had on the podcast uh, not too long ago um, from Black Orlando Tech is that like they have somebody who is like mainly their grant writer and that is part of how they've gotten all the funding that they've gotten. I was like, that's awesome. I need like that needs to be one of our first hires is like who can just look for grants that we qualify for and write proposals because that is a full-time job. <laughs> like and and doing that like would allow us to have more money to be able to do other things. So that is a great example of like why sometimes hiring somebody actually brings in more money as opposed to taking it away, which I think is the only thing that people think about when they're hiring sometimes. It's just like, oh, I'll be, you know, yeah, I'll be spending money. money. Yeah, yeah. Money. But it's like, you will make more money if you hire smart people and hire people who can do things better. First of all, you always want to hire someone who's better at using something. You wouldn't want to hire someone who has the same ability issue. You want to hire somebody who's better than you so that they mm-hmm. can achieve more quicker than you can so you guys can oh my god large branding projects I always hired Raven because she's a much better designer than I am and she's much faster like way faster than I am um so whenever I had a larger scale project I would always hire her I would sometimes make sure that you know she was available before I took on a higher scale project because I know like this is going to be a lot and I need somebody who is faster than me and better than me yeah, and I guess I think the last thing to do is once you start to make money, be smart about your money so you can keep your money. Obviously, continue to invest in your retirement, invest in, uh, and we'll talk about other investment opportunities in this section. But yeah, just being smart. So a good thing is when you start to get business credit cards, or your own personal credit cards. And if you have good credit, which is not easy for all humans, totally understand. But once you get to that point, Start using things that pay you, like get rewards, get points, get cash back. Like don't be just paying to pay. Like the system should be paying you back because the privilege, the benefits of having the privilege of having good credit is that you start to make money on the money that you're spending. 
this is something I have to get better at because like I just don't like to use credit cards like, um, I feel like we grew up in a generation where because it's stressful that debt was like you'd be crazy and then da 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 but the reality is that credit card companies got smarter for people who are smarter people. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Works. Obviously, they started to give more perks to those people. So they're the and it's very- crazy. Like I have a decent amount of them. I just don't use them. So I'm like, I need to start. Yeah. Trusting myself, I guess. For your hotels, you shouldn't be paying for your plane tickets. At some point, you should. When you are spending money and making enough money, and you have the right credit cards over a few those things should be paying for themselves based on how much you're spending on your recurring services and software and you're paying on like your and I think like the points guy is a great guy to follow to learn more about this because for me it like stresses me out because it's like oh my gosh there's so much to keep track of but it's nice because the information is all there though like that is yeah that is kind of what I'm trying to do is like get to his level because he really does a great job at it and you know you can again you can like do something like buy your groceries charge it and then pay that off like immediately for me I think I have to pay everything off immediately because I'll be stressed out um but yeah yeah, do that to give you a black woman offer there's a credit nista who is Nativia Heard because once I the the nista has her own team like her squad and so I started like following the people that she was recommending immediately, but she like A plus approved because black women don't do what it, you got to do. So I definitely would, you know, obviously the points guy is the most well-known person, but if you can do a yeah. one-on-one with her, invest in that because she's going to be more personal to what your needs are and what you're doing. And so that way she can help you. Come up with I love the idea of doing a one-on-one because that's like, that sounds really great. You know what I mean? Like you were not just like, Oh, I'm gonna pay for all my gas. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? You can find the the rewards that work best for you because there's no point reasons of having a credit card that gives you cash more cash back on gas. And I think that's yeah, that's kind of like my whole thing is that that's why I haven't started like doing it yet because I'm overwhelmed. And so when I go to look up like all the benefits and I'm like, I'm just not gonna use them. I'm I'm stressed out. But I love that idea of like going in and talking to somebody and you can say these are the cards that I have or that I think I qualify for or that I'd be willing to have. And this is my lifestyle. This is how much money I make. These are the, these are what I would want. Cause for me, I just want travel stuff. I don't want any, I don't want cash back. I want travel stuff. Right. And so having somebody that could kind of like create a routine, so to speak for me to follow, that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, so I might be have, buying that for myself for my next birthday um, gift. She has a group, a Facebook group as well. Like I'm in her group, and so she's Ooh. really helpful there um, as well. But um, maybe looking into leasing your car versus buying your car. Okay, tell me why this is helpful because this is something when we okay. So if anybody remembers, I had a Jeep. I loved my Jeep. I bought my Jeep brand new. I was so proud of myself. My grandfather was not impressed because he was like, "Wow." you just lost money. And I was like, wow, you're just old and grumpy. But then years later, I was like, oh, he's probably right. Because like now we've paid the car off, but it's like falling apart and this sucks. So then when we started falling apart, we ended up buying a new car like quickly because we didn't have a lot of time to think, but we were considering leasing and we kept going back and forth. And I just couldn't really get a lot of concrete information on like, should I lease or should I buy? So talk to me about this and that way, because we want to, I think we're going to do a new car situation like in the next, like by the end of this year. Yeah. So good that you didn't do that because A, there was a pandemic and you guys moved and you drove. Yes. So this would not have worked for you. You would have been SOL. We would have been so in trouble. Yeah. 
Because and that's why we stuck to, but we bought like um, a Hyundai and it's a similar size to the Jeep and it was used. And so we just traded in the Jeep and got that. Um, we got something very within our price range and we just like, I don't know, we got it in February. I, I We were just overwhelmed and I don't know why we, we just like played it safe. We did what we knew to do. Um, but it definitely like our mind was spinning about leasing. And again, Great that we didn't because of everything that happened. It really just depends, but, obviously, on what your needs are and how much money you make. When you make more money, this makes sense. I will say, like, to to a certain point, like, when you're not making that amount of money, to me, it doesn't, especially if you use your car every day, it's like you're ride or die, you drive several hours. Like, but it, the tax benefits is how it's cheaper in the long run to lease. Because it's like, is it a situation where, like, if you're always going to have a. You have to then, yeah. So like when, and to be like, to also just let other people in on, you know, kind of like John and I's like income situation. When we first got together, um, I bought a really old car that was only $3,000. So I was able to pay that like in full. And then John sold a house during the whole craze last time where he made way more money than like, a person probably should have on that house. Um, and that was like the house he lived in, like in college or whatever, and had like a super low uh, payment, turned around, made a lot of money on that, used part of that to buy a new house and the other part to pay off his car, like pay off another car, buy a car outright. So for a long time, neither of us had a car payment, which made a massive difference in our lives, not having a car payment until the Jeep, right? So uh, the Jeep was like, I think we got it in like 20... 12 2011 we were together 2005 to like 2011 2012 without a car payment then we took on this car payment and it didn't seem like a big deal because we had gone so long without one but now i do think going forward i don't i'd love to say that we could just pay off a car i don't see that happening anytime soon so i think we're gonna have a payment either way which is making me like yeah, think maybe so a lease like, makes you sense to do that either way and you obviously understand the terms of the lease there's usually a mileage agreement and there's a certain amount of time, like it's a two year usually, or like a three year thing. But a lot of, if you do well, if you're a good leaser, if you're a good driver, I don't think I would recommend this for people who can't drive. If you, if you, do, if you get in accidents like several times a year, just get you a clunker and stop blending. Uh, but if you, you have a pretty marginally decent lifestyle, and if you know to, like you would like to, you prefer to fly or rent cars when you travel versus using your car. It's a good option because the, the money makes sense. Because once you buy a car, number one, it loses value once it's leaves block. And B, cars are not made the same that they, they were used to. Our friend, uh, I'm like, I'm going to put it in the street, but I saw him post about like the, the car that he got before they left and they moved. And he was saying that the transmission like blew out. And this is wow. a brand new car. And I remember being like, this is ridiculous, like in two, in two years. You, you know what I mean? Like this expensive. I swear. I Do you think that they're made to fall apart once they're on their paid off amount? Because that's how I feel. Because well, the Jeep literally started out. falling apart. Like two years into their car. Yeah, that's bad. It's like the transmission blew out. And that's happened with some people. It just... I feel like there are no, like, I don't know. Ours, I don't know. ours fell apart a year, like, the Jeep fell apart a year after, about a year after we paid it off. And it was to the point where, like, it was going to cost more money to fix it yeah, than it, it would to just. A down payment onto yeah. Um, yeah. And usually the security deposit on a lease is a lot cheaper than the down payment is for a car to get, like, a good, reasonable car payment that makes a little bit sense for you. Um, so that's another thing. And then a lot of times if you're a good, like I said, a good leaser, they, once you get to the end of the lease, 
you can negotiate a better lease on a new car when that comes time. So, or if you're looking to buy it, you're like, oh, yeah, I love this car. It's my friend. It's my family. It's my whatever. I actually want to buy it. And you have the money saved up. So this is now giving you the opportunity to save that money up to actually buy it in full. They oftentimes will give you a good deal on the car and you just take it because it's been yours for two, three years, whatever. Mm. Like, okay, I'm just going to take this. Put money. I, I, the extra wealthy people I know. <laughs> buy their cars cash that i just that's yeah that's the, like, that's what like i wish they take the whatever 30 40 50 thousand dollars and they just buy a car off the lot and then they don't have to think about it. they don't care about car payment so that would be when you're very wealthy i would get at that's probably what you should do <laughs> but you know like leasing your car is an option especially if you live in a city that has pretty decent transportation like the people living like you don't really need to own a car and you could lease one York's a really good city. To, to use oh, and I would, I'll say, I want to point out that like John and I had two cars and technically at one point in time we had three cars because he, it's a long story, but he got a car stolen and had to buy another car or cash or whatever. Um, but anyways, we went from three to then two and now one because like I work from home and it does not make sense for me to have a car. Like I literally don't go places that often. And when I do, it's super easy to just drop him off at work and then take the car for the day. Or a lot of times because I live close to a lot of the things that I'd be going to, like friends will pick me up along the way. So if you can get down to one car, if that works for you, I think that that's like a super awesome thing to do. And it's better for the environment and it just kind of makes sense. It's true. It's very true. Um, so uh, the last thing I think to do when you start to, to make money and be smart about your money is obviously invest smartly. So get a good brokerage account and have someone talk you through buying stocks. Obviously you can hit roll the dice and, and make the money doing Robin Hood and Weeple, et cetera, et cetera. It can only take you so far. It can only buy you so many stocks. There's so many property, like, you know, things that are not listed on these companies. So I would, if you get to the point where you get good money, go sit down with somebody who can help you create your portfolio in the way that it needs to be. And then like, hopefully they take good care of your money. Obviously you need to be on top of it looking at things and researching the market and knowing what you're doing as well. You can't blindly go in and believe people, but that's a good way to do that. Um, obviously starting to become venture capitalist is a good option where you start to invest in other businesses, people who are starting things other startups. So now you've made it. You got extra money in your pocket. How can you make more money? Just invest in the business. It's not going to get it immediately, but if you invest in the right business at the right time, obviously it could be a huge payoff depending on what you're situation and conversation is so just once you start to make a certain amount of money be smart about it obviously a good thing to do is also invest in people's friends and family around there's obviously so many conversations about how people of color especially black women typically do not have friends and family to give enough money to just you know what i mean like enough that ten thousand dollars or whatever it is needed to get that friends and family around because their friends and family don't have that money um, so if you get to the point where you can do it, you know, somebody comes up to you and asks for a little bit of investment, invest into the company, like give them a thousand dollars. Like, are you hurting for it? Will it hurt you? Will it harm you? And oftentimes in the long run, uh, the, you can create a deal or have a conversation where it plays out better for you. So definitely once you start to make money, just be smart about your money. You don't, in the time that you can be buying things that are, What's your friend? Like, no shade, you know, whatever. Do what you got to do with your money. It's your money. But you could also be making more money by doing, being smarter. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I have a friend in Orlando who is a black man named Brian Fisher, and he's really um, passionate about, you know, making sure that people of color, um, like, know how to invest and do all that stuff. And that's what he does for a living. Um, So look him up. uh, He's on Facebook and look him up and be like, hey, I have money. And I want to put it into things and he knows how to do that. So uh, that's literally like, I, I, that's my, what I'm going to be doing is going in and being like, hi, this is the money I have. Make it uh, be more money. And that like, we have friends um, who have done that and they've made quite a bit of money actually working with him. And I don't, I don't know what all he does. I just know that you have some money and you go to him and he makes it into a lot more money. So um, yeah, and we love to see it because he's, again, he's very passionate about making sure that people of color, especially the black community, um, start to, we start to change, uh, the, the situation, right? Because, uh, a lot of us did not get to inherit generational wealth and that sort of thing. So, uh, it's, it's time to build that for future generations. Yeah. It's hard to inherit generational wealth when like <laughs> most of the race that you came from didn't even know that they were free from slavery for two years after like a year or two after slavery Mm -hmm. and again like if you're listening to this and you don't you don't get it and you're like well that was a long time ago it literally wasn't a long time ago it was literally our, our like a lot of us have grandparents that were enslaved so there are people alive today that have grandparents that were enslaved so yeah that's why we don't have generational wealth um bridges has the instagram yep so yep and she's do. like my mom's age or something like she's she's really young i can't remember exactly like 57 or something like yeah, that like she's not even 60 you guys yeah like, so you know that is why we we don't have generational wealth a lot of us um and we're we're working to you know really change things uh in that narrative yeah, i think if you like if you have generational wealth and it sucks like you're like nah, it nah, does nah. it sucks if you have any uh insight on this topic or if you've done things that have worked for you and you want to share it please dm us um on instagram or you can drop us a line uh through email whatever works best for you but get us that information so that we can share it with other people because you know, we would love to just share and there's enough space for everybody, right? Like look at how many rich white men there are in the world. So there's enough space for all of us to, you know, have the success we want, whatever that looks like for people individually. Um, there's, there's enough seats at the table for everyone. So let's just keep like building that table out and adding seats and and pulling up and making space for people. Yep. So we will see you guys next week and I hope you enjoyed Bye. Bye.